Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you for tuning in to the Hope, Strength, Courage podcast. Love and support for parents whose kids are fighting for their lives. A weekly podcast created to support parents and caregivers of children diagnosed with cancer. Where you will find resources collected to help you face each day with hope, strength, and courage. From interviews with the top experts in their fields, doctors, psychologists, chaplains, and inspiring frontline workers in pediatric oncology as they share their best advice, as well as day-to-day advice collected from other cancer moms and leaders in personal growth and development. From individuals who understand how hard it can be, I hope you will feel better prepared to cope with the day-to-day challenges of caring for your child. Hi, I'm Laura Lane and I'm your host. My own daughter Celeste was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 12. In 2015, I wrote about our experiences in the book, Two Mothers, One Prayer, Facing Your Child's Cancer with Hope, Strength, and Courage. Since that time, I've dedicated thousands of hours to share with other parents and caregivers the resources, tips, tools, skills, and strategies I learned that helped our family to stay happier, healthier, and more hopeful. My goal is to share with you my interviews with experts to support you as you care for a child with cancer. Today's episode number three features my interview with Tiffany Berg Cochran, certified chaplain and professional consultant. In this interview, Tiffany shared with me how she came to write the children's book, If Cancer Was a Fish, I'd Throw It Back, after her husband died of cancer, as well as the coloring pages she created to help children express their own feelings about their cancer diagnosis or their family member's diagnosis. I personally learned some wonderful tools I can use with my own children and family members. I hope you will enjoy this interview as much as I did. I am pleased to formally introduce you to Tiffany Burke Cochran. Certified Chaplain and Professional Consultant. Since 2012, Tiffany has spoken professionally and authored multiple books on emotional wellness. After losing her husband to cancer in 2009, she returned to school and certified as a corporate and hospice chaplain. Tiffany has worked with families and individuals in the intense intensities in the ER, ICU, hospice care, suicide support, and complicated end-of-life decisions. With this expertise and personal experience with loss, she is a frequent presenter at hospitals, social work conferences, grief support groups, and cancer awareness events for adults and children. In addition to her chaplaincy, Tiffany has worked for many years with charities and local and national media. Her charity efforts have raised over $3.5 million for needy Utah families. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for joining us today. I greatly appreciate it. My first question to you is I would love to know what led you onto the path of becoming a chaplain. You know, first of all, it's challenging to even understand what a chaplain does because that role has changed so much over the years. Uh, Chaplain, we usually think of 
uh, maybe a certain denomination or perhaps in the military because there's military chaplains. So as a chaplain myself, I have been educated. Um, it's a year and a half full time, so 35 hours a week of intense training on how to work with people through difficult emotional crises. Because when we go through things that, uh, that test our mortality, our faith, um, our relationships, our strength of character and will, um, those things take that spiritual, uh, have that spiritual impact. And so a chaplain is a little bit different than a counselor. Uh, a chaplain actually addresses those things Mm -hmm. more on a spiritual level so that decisions can be made. And our goal is to help people feel validated and valued with what they're going through um, without supplying them answers, but actually supplying them with questions that may help them look deeper and find their own answers. Wow. So it's, uh, it is that emotional support with that spiritual emphasis. Okay. Well, that's a great um, explanation of chaplaincy. So what brought you along that path to become a chaplain yourself then? So prior to becoming a chaplain, I had worked for 10 years in addiction recovery, working with moms coming out of addiction. Okay. Um, that's kind of my heart. That's kind of my family story. And uh, as I had been working in that arena for about 10 years, uh, my late husband was diagnosed with cancer, and so we went through um, a couple of years of treatment. We thought everything was was gone, and it came back, and it came back stage four. So he had another year and a half of, of treatment, really treatment, just to give him more time. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we had five children together, and after he passed, I... I felt so lost and of course all of those questions about my purpose and how do I how do I be a mom in this experience and how do I have faith and how do I all of those questions you know came up for me and I found chaplaincy and during that year and a half which led to more years of working in hospitals and working in high crisis and I just developed a deep sense of love for other people that have gone through those things too. Uh -huh. So that chaplaincy uh, showed me patterns in myself and in other people that kind of overlaid the history that I'd had in addiction recovery. So it became really this, this goal to help people through whatever is hurting them emotionally. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for doing that. That's just so brave for you to take your own um, heartache and struggles and turn that around so you can support other people. Well, thank you. It's messy. I think yes. emotions, <laughs> emotions and grief and certainly cancer, um, you know, I just have swear words that come to my mind when I think about cancer. Um, so getting more information about that, how to how to live balanced, um, even when those things are happening, uh, has been so profound for me and my kids, and, mm -hmm. and um, it's been a blessing to help other people. Oh, that's wonderful. I was reading in, um, I guess, a bio, one of your bios, that says that you combine clinical schools of 
tools of chaplaincy with the neuro-linguistic practice of ideal life vision. I would love to know more about that. Um, what, is, what is that? What is it that you do? So we've had this, this method of uh, addressing emotional pain through counseling. And, and that's one avenue, uh, but I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily fast or uh, it challenges us sometimes because we can be going to a therapist mm -hmm. for years and just venting what we've gone through as opposed to really um, transcending that and mm -hmm. changing. So the tools that I that I use and and that have been combined to create what I do, um, I I teach five systems that are based on forgiveness therapy, which is is really the practice of becoming whole by forgiving ourselves and other mm -hmm. people. Uh, NLP, which is neuro linguistic programming, so understanding how the the brain sees things and understanding that the use of icons and pathways and frameworks helps the brain to remember things. And then ideal life vision is actually setting your goals and your intention, uh, writing it on paper for the different areas of your life, where you want to be well and what that would look like, mm -hmm. and then recording that so that you can keep repeating that, uh, like listen to it in the morning, listen to it at night, and your brain actually starts to seamlessly and almost effortlessly take those new pathways. Oh, wow. So, so as opposed to traditional counseling, what we're finding is that when when people are able to use their brain with them, not against them, right? then, then they have so much more success and they're able to, with systems, they're able to change faster mm -hmm. and on a deeper level. Oh. oh, that's, I can, I can see the, the benefit of that. I can think of my own life, how that would help. I can think of some others, um, a young woman that I know who has um, cancer at the moment, that that would be a huge benefit. Um, tell us also about your make peace systems that you have. So the, the make peace systems I, I have created with all of those components in place. If I could use kind of like five different instruments, those different disciplines, I combine those to create five systems. Uh, the first is critical listening skills. The second is a system, uh, I call it the restore model. It helps us, when we take these uh, sequential steps, we feel restored and resilient. Okay. Um, the other, the third is actually how we, how we can categorize pain so that we can access the healing faster. Okay. Um, the fourth is how, it's called the calm model, how we enter into a conversation or an experience and, and bring calm. Uh, it could be parenting, it could be as an employee or as a boss, how do we bring that calm mm -hmm. uh, when we're su supporting someone else? Right. And then the fifth is healthy boundaries. So each one of those five systems is learnable mm -hmm. and kind of like learning a dance, you know, the one, two, three, one, two, three. Right. When we learn those sequences, things become so much easier and we know the next step. You know, when people are struggling with grief, 
they feel a little lost. What do I do next? What do I do with all of this pain? Uh -huh. And so the systems actually teach you what do you do next so that you're, you have balance, healthy relationships, you're seeing what you need to see uh, at the time you need to see it. Yeah. So. And those skills that are both, um, that you teach them to parents and to children, or tell me about... <laughs> yes, in fact, um, we I released these five systems through courses last year. So it's okay. been about a year we've been teaching this. And actually, these five systems have now been adopted in corporations, hospitals, hospice, uh, bereavement programs, uh, even relationship programs. And and that surprised me uh, that that they would have that much impact. But the great thing is they're learnable for adults or children. Mm -hmm. And again, once you have that that one, two, three, one, two, three down, then all of a sudden your relationships are easier. Um, your physical health is better. Um, I, I've had clients that have been able to change their, their eating and sleeping and stress patterns, which is huge when we're under so much stress. Um, it's saved marriages, it's grown businesses. And so I, I'm surprised and thrilled that people are having so much success with it, mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that when someone is having a panic attack, that these same systems can help them actually protect themselves, that's, oh, wow. that's powerful. So I'm, I'm thrilled at that. I'm sure we could probably spend an hour just, <laughs> just learning from you about that. Um, I would love to, to learn more. But I'd love to know what, what other resources that you have for, um, for parents. I understand you wrote a book about cancer for kids. Yes, in fact, let me grab that. It's fallen to the floor here. So this is the book that, um, that I wrote actually it's called, If Cancer Was a Fish, I'd Throw It Back. Mm -hmm. um, and gosh, wouldn't we all, right? So this was actually something that, um, that, my ch that I wrote for my children and my nieces and nephews when my late husband was going through cancer. Huh. Um, just kind of talking about the different emotions that cancer brings up. Mm -hmm. um, which again, sometimes swear words are the only <laughs> way to explain that. But there's anger and sadness and despair and frustration. And so each, each of the images here kind of talks about um, different emotions that a child could be feeling. And it's been one way to open that conversation with kids and adults mm -hmm. with, with some levity yeah. uh, where we can talk about, gosh, what would, wouldn't we change it if we could? Mm -hmm. um, and then with the same uh, illustrator, um, we were able to make coloring books and coloring pages. So after reading the book, the child, the children could actually do some coloring and talk about their own feelings, right. which, boy, talking about our feelings is so healing in and of itself. You know, I think each one of us has had those conversations where we felt heard. Mm -hmm. And even just feeling heard, we felt better. Yeah. And um, and so coloring can do that for kids too. Yeah. Do you have any examples of? I do. Um, so so this is um, a, let me let me just back up. 
as we color with children, it's kind of a, a way to get into their thought processes mm -hmm. without judgment. You know, if they're coloring and they're, and they're coloring a lot of black and we say, oh, you must be feeling very upset or angry about that, they may recoil and not share as much. Right. But if we say, wow, that's a lot of purple, tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Or, wow, that's a lot of black, tell me about that. Yeah. There's no judgment and a child can talk more freely mm -hmm. to that emotion. And so the goal in working with kids on their coloring, and I believe I have a download for everyone that's watching that they can actually download this we'll um, that. coloring sheet. So this coloring sheet actually, uh, this heart represents their mad feelings. Okay. So we have them color their mad feelings first and then their sad feelings mm -hmm. and then what they wish most. Uh, these are parts of the conversation that, that allow the child to open up. And it's kind of sequential. Yeah. Mad is easier to access than sad. Mm -hmm. And as they're coloring, they kind of op open up more and more. So one of the things that I've noticed uh, that you can see here is that children often, when we talk about emotions, what are your mad feelings? What are your sad feelings? What do they look like? Um, we often find kids will draw faces oh. uh, because they're very keyed in, which is something that we parents want to know that kids are very keyed in when we are, when we're angry or we're sad, or even when we are uh, expressionless because we're in shock, kids see that. And right. that is really profound to them. They remember that. And again, you can see that here, um, just some, some little faces. Um, I'll share some things that I found are interesting. <clears throat> This is another mad, so you can right. see the brown. Um, and then you can see here the sad, there's lots of tears there. Right. But here, he's also colored tears. <clears throat> here, you can see there's also tears. And here, there's also tears. So as a parent looking at this, I would say, wow, I'm noticing that there's tears here, there's tears here, and here. That's a lot of tears. And just let it be awkward. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when we do that, we allow a child the space to maybe talk about those tears. Um, <clears throat> I did this exercise with a family that had a teenage boy. And we were all doing the same coloring, and he was a good sport, and he did it too. And his heart was very much like this with lots of tears and the mom was surprised and she said, you know, I, I haven't seen you cry at all since your dad died and it had been two weeks. <clears throat> and he said, that's because I keep my tears to myself. I don't want to cry in front of you because it makes you more sad. Aww. So this was a way for that mom to really see, oh my goodness, it's not because he's not sad. It's because he can't, um, he doesn't feel like he can share that with me. Mm -hmm. And so the coloring can oftentimes open up emotional things 
um, that maybe we wouldn't see. This is another one. If you can see the holes in it. Yeah. On the back side. You know, sometimes a lot of emotion, a lot of strong emotion will come out and, you know, the hitting of the paper and, um, and that's okay. You just, mm -hmm. if you can let that be safe, mm -hmm. that, you know, we, we're just going to color out our feelings and that's okay. Then this can be a better option than like hitting their sister. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that that's okay. And hitting your pillows. Okay. Yes. Yes. Some interesting things. Again, this can be kind of a roadmap to parents is they're just coloring with their child these shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder experiences where we're not face-to-face -face with the child, but maybe we're next to them and we're coloring too. Uh -huh. um, what that does is it, um, it almost takes the guard down. It, um, it unmasks things. We don't have to be so um, scripted if we're just shoulder to shoulder. Right. Whether that's a walk or coloring or something cooking, those can be the best times to talk to our kids. Um, this is another thing that was interesting to me. If you notice, when when we were going through these um, coloring op opportunities, there were between 80 and 100 people in the room. Okay. Each family had someone in their family though that was terminal okay. and so lots of different ages between the ages of four and 84 oh. so grand grandparents were there so the children came up afterwards and shared their coloring with me and this was great information because I asked them to color out their mad feelings and cover up color out their sad feelings what do you notice about these? If I'm asking for mad and sad. Well, one's bright and... <laughs> does, it, does it look like heavy emotion or does it look happy? It looks happy. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things that we want to recognize, um, we do this as, as adults all the time too. Um, we don't always share how we're really feeling and we do that for a lot of reasons mm -hmm. um, this little girl um, when it in this section that says what I wish most it said that everyone was cancer free so she's very positive and you can see she's very perfectionistic here mm -hmm. <laughs> um, where everything is just perfect and everything is happy yeah and we we do that as we do that as moms and dads. We kind of go into denial and um, act like everything's okay. So I call that emotional dyslexia, where we're not, it's coming out backwards because there's we can't come out straight up. Right. And so when I talked to the mom and we were looking at this with the little girl, I said, "How? what is she like? How is she? And the mom just kind of winked and smiled and she said, she's the perfect child. Mm -hmm. So what that told me is this was not the child that was sick in the family. This was a child that has chosen to be the pleaser, the glue, yeah. the happy child. Um, and, and it's understandable, but there's also some negatives when a child does that. And so this mom could actually at this age, start having conversations, allowing permission 
to this child to have maybe angry feelings or jealous feelings or scared feelings, that it doesn't always have to be happy. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. So this was interesting. Um, so I'm going to cover this part up, but I want you to see if I said, let's have you color the mad and sad, what, what, what do you see? Well, they obviously haven't colored anything and they've just put an X. Yeah. So no coloring and just the X. They don't want to now, express. Yeah. So now when I tell you what he wrote, what I wish most, it will make a lot of sense. And as a parent, huge clues on how to love up on this child. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I wish most is that I could be thought about. Oh, the feeling forgotten. I can't show up. I'm, I'm not important. In fact, often when I see children making X's, um, just with the neuro-linguistic programming, I often uh, lean towards shame, that there's a sense of shame, or I am the problem, or I'm marked, there's something wrong with me. And so this is definitely some information, at least to start. Wow, so you, you want to feel thought about, you want to be thought about. What would that look like if people were thinking about you? Uh -huh. And so this is just a great, uh, a great way to see information we normally wouldn't see oh. just in regular conversation and it's it's so cheap and and easy that we may we may underscore the value and truly as a parent if you were to see this in your child's thinking at six or seven or eight years old how powerful that piece of information could be as opposed to when they're 18 yeah 19 huge so last one, uh, this was interesting. In, this, in the area that says what I wish most, it says what I wish most is that we could all be as perfect as disabled children are. Oh, wow. So this kind of clues us into maybe some, some beliefs about, you know, a, a special needs child or sibling um, and not being as perfect mm -hmm. as that um, as that sibling. So again, I've used that coloring not only with cancer uh, issues, but also with divorce, what I wish most, um, what I'm mad about, what I'm sad about. It can be a great way to start a conversation, no matter what the age. Yeah. Uh, I've worked with uh, young teenage girls in foster care that the coloring opened up a lot of things, um, even sexual abuse, traumas that had happened to them. And so really the goal is opening those conversations in a different way because we can't always say, hey, Johnny, how are you feeling about the cancer? Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about, you know, this loss? Um, it, it's just, it's hard for them to articulate. Yeah. And so... Coloring can be a great launch pad into new organic conversations. And as long as we're open and we don't have any judgment about what, where that conversation goes, um, a lot of great things can happen there. And again, we don't have to have all the answers because just, just feeling listened to 
is powerful. Mm -hmm. And and children, you know, we're we're not very present as adults. We're on our phone. We've got things to do, places to be. And even with a child, just being present and and sharing that moment with them without any distractions can make them feel so so important. Yeah. And their feelings are important. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Those are so many wonderful tips and reminders and, and things that I want to apply with my own children. And thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So I would love to um, finish up. If you if you have any other suggestions, I'm going to le- leave you with that last question. Do you have any other suggestions for parents whose children have been diagnosed with cancer, either to help the parents themselves, to help their child who's by- diagnosed, or or the rest of their family? What 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 would be the advice that you would give? Just those those open questions. I, again, if we ask straightforward questions like, how are you feeling? How is this making you feel? Um, even as young young children, they know uh, what's a proper answer and, and what what you shouldn't say. We shouldn't hate, we shouldn't, right. you know, so it's already somewhat scripted. And so if you can kind of ask questions, maybe in a, a unique way, like, wow, how is your tummy feeling about this? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's kind of a, may seem odd, but often a child can already sense the churning in their belly, uh, that they feel anxious. And they don't have the words to always say what that what that is. And so, you know, how's your heart feeling about this? Giving them maybe some other clues or angles to answer that question. And also recognize that kids, because they don't have words, they really don't have the vocabulary. You know, what's the nuance between feeling angry and feeling jealous? There's a nuance, yeah. but even as adults, we don't always know. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can say, so tell me what this is like. Um, is it like a friend that moved away? Is it like when you lost your puppy? Is it like a bully? Um, kids can often find something to compare it to, mm-hmm. but they may not know how to express how they feel. Right. So getting them to talk about, you know, what is it like? Is it like something you've gone through before? Or is it, or is it unlike anything you've ever, it's like, it's like this, it's like my friend Johnny moving away, but like times a thousand. Right. Um, Then you can say, wow, I get it. That's big. That's probably bigger than anything you've gone through. So then we can take a different approach and let them in their beautiful child, you know, expression, Mm-hmm. Share with us what that pain is like. Right. Well, those are great, great suggestions. Thank you so much, Tiffany. So where can we direct our audience? What website can we send our audience to so they can learn more about you, about your work, and um, your book? Awesome. They can, they can either go to tiffanycoffrin.com. Okay. Or they can go to makepeacesystems.com. And so either one of those should get them to the free download for kids and um, and the different books and trainings. 
Oh, so. great. Well, we'll do that. We'll make sure that we include that link with this interview. Thank so you. again, thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you. this. Thank it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's show. If you would like to see the images of the coloring pages Tiffany references in the interview, as well as the links to her website to download the resources, they can be found in my blog post about this episode at twomothersoneprayer.com slash blog. Please join me again next week for my interview with world-renowned naturopathic integrative oncologist Dr. Adam McLeod as we discuss how he helps his patients to reduce the normal side effects of conventional treatments using an integrative naturopathic approach. Before we end our show today, we have one last segment. Over the last few years, I have asked other cancer moms what advice they wish they had known when their child was first diagnosed. I compiled that information and will be sharing their advice each week. You can download the top 101 pieces of pieces of advice that I put together as a mini ebook at twomothersoneprayer.com/advice. Today's advice comes from Narice and Anne. Their advice had to do with taking medication. Narice said, "If your kid can swallow an M&M, he can swallow pills instead of nasty liquids. Most meds come in pill form, but having said that, nasty." tasty liquid meds go down easier when you have a 15 millimeter medicine cup with root beer in it and the, and the dose of meds. Shoot it back and chase it with a clean root beer. Uh, this is a nurse's trick that worked till we found pills. Anne added the advice. We used to crush pills and add them to applesauce which worked very well, fairly well. Thank you Narice and Anne for sharing that. If you have advice that you learned long ago that you wish someone had told you weeks, months, or years earlier, I invite you to fill out the contact form on our website, twomothersoneprayer.com slash contact, and I will be sharing your advice with our listeners on future shows. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule today to listen to the Hope, Strength, Courage podcast. I look forward to sharing more experts and advice with you again next Wednesday. Please remember to take a minute to subscribe to the show. Thanks also need to go out to our Hope, Strength, Courage production team, which consists of Kyle Outridge Productions and music by Fizz Anthony. To learn more about myself, Laura Lane, and to order my book, please visit twomothersoneprayer.com.